Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Hey, good morning. How are we doing? Oh, good. Good to see you. Uh, Josh, that was, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. And uh, look, for those that we have not met yet, my name is Dan, and uh, I want to give a, a special shout out. If anyone's here for the very first time at church, I also want to say, you are awesome, and uh, you are so welcome here. And church, can we put our hands together and welcome everyone that might be here for the first time at church? Thank you so much for spending your Sunday uh, with us. You know, you don't have to uh, uh, believe before you belong. You belong just the way uh, that you are and whatever background um, you, are f- you are from. Uh, it is so good that you're here. And uh, I got to start by honoring our lead pastors, uh, Jason and Jen, who aren't here at the moment. But I do think they might be watching online or through a little sneaky uh, live stream. And, and really from the bottom of my heart, and uh, I, I honestly, I, I can't thank them enough for their friendship uh, with what this church means to me, and, and, and particularly um, Jason, who a couple years a year, a years ago, as Josh said, I just rocked up, and he just took me under his wing and um, really spoke life into me in a season of my life that I was uh, going through a whole lot of stuff that he would never even know about. But I know that we would all share a very similar story, is that Jason and Jen are the most authentic, genuine, real, loving, come on, people that you could ever meet. And so can we put our hands together and just honor Jason and Jen? I know they can hear you through the live stream. I love you. Uh, so much, and, uh, and and they'll be they'll be back very soon. They just wait for a couple of days. But uh, hey, it's so good to be at church, and I'm real pumped uh, to to be here. Going to be starting our series, relationship goals, talking about authentic community. But before I, I kind of get into that, I know there's a few people that uh, that I have not met yet. Uh, so as I said, my name is Dan, and I'm from Australia. Everyone's like, you have an accent. I'm like, no, I don't. You have an accent, right? All you guys, like, you just like you guys speak different. You know what I mean? But uh, no, I'm from Australia, from a great church called City Point Church. But I also feel like this. This is my home church as well uh, when I'm in San Francisco. I feel like I come like every second weekend, you know what I mean? I just like rock up, get free coffee, like the welcome pack, you know, every single week. But uh, look, from uh, from a church in, in Australia, Australia, mate, and uh, basically I work for an organization uh, called Red Frogs, and uh, we uh, we actually bringing it over here. It's just part of uh, my faith step this year uh, is, to, uh, is to bring it um, to, to the U.S., uh, and so uh, I got a couple photos to share because basically what it is in Australia is that we crash parties and hand out candy. <laughs> you know, your parents said, don't accept candy from a stranger. It doesn't work. Hey, we hand out 24 tons of candy every single year, right? And so there's a couple of photos that are going on the screen uh, about red frogs in Australia. We're, we're in universities uh, all across uh, Australia. We call them unis. Think about Australians, right? As we shorten everything, you know what I mean? If your name's Jonathan, we're just calling you Jono, you know? Simon, Simo, you know, we have like random words for every Thing. But basically, there's a whole lot of people. Uh, we have about 4,000 volunteers across Australia. We uh, impact 770,000 people in festivals, about 383,000 people at colleges uh, right across Australia, where uh, I'm flying back in to do all these different student leadership trainings, where like what would be commonly known as like your fraternity or sorority and all that kind of stuff, uh, where they have uh, like a preparation for first years and freshers. Uh, we actually get a chance to speak to pretty much every first year student on so many different campuses to prepare them uh, for their first year on college. Uh, and the university actually pays us. 
the local church to be on campus, to deliver talks on leadership, changing culture all across Australia. And uh, there's a bunch there. There's this one party called Schoolies. <laughs> and uh, it's about 75,000 people. It's kind of like your spring break. And they head to these different locations around Australia where we have thousands of volunteers meeting them, uh, holding their hair back as they uh, vomit uh, <laughs> and, uh, and walking them home. We have this hotline, right? Get this, not Drake's hotline. It's a Red Frog hotline. And basically we have 10,000 phone calls through this week of schoolies uh, looking after literally thousands and thousands of 17 year olds uh, and uh, basically it, it's legit like spring break but they're 17 they just finished high school and so they it's a great idea you know let's just like this is our legacy as Australia you know what I mean have this massive party right and like you go away like you finish high school for and then for a whole week you just party like literally like non-stop for a whole week. Uh, and so we have our volunteers looking after them. We have this hotline, as I said, and it's 10,000 phone calls and we get 5,000 of them for random acts of pancakes, right? And we just want pancakes. They're like calling up. We have this one guy called through and he's like, oi froggies, I've got an emergency. <laughs> We're like, yeah, what's your emergency? And he's like, I'm sitting on the toilet. I've run a toilet paper. <laughs> like, oh, look, froggies are pretty generous, but I don't know if we can go that far. And he goes, don't worry about it. Found a loaf of bread. And then like hangs up. Um, let's, uh, let's just hope it wasn't multigrain, you know what I mean? Because that would be, that'd be rough. Um, uh, and then we, this, we do this walk homes, right? So it's kind of like Uber, but free. And we walk you home. You know, it's amazing. And this one guy calls up and he's like, Oi, froggies, I need a walk home. And we're like, yeah, where are you? And he's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, All right, well, maybe uh, find that out and then let us know. And he's like, I'll ask the boys. Oi, boys, where am I? And the boy's like, bro, you're in bed. He's like, don't worry, froggies, I'm already home. I was like... <laughs> The quickest walk home we have ever done. Um, uh, but that's the organization that I work for and have an absolute blast. And so we, um, uh, you know, we speak to about 70,000 kids in, in high schools um, doing education talks uh, right across Australia and, uh, and sports. Uh, I heard there's a little sporting event this afternoon, just a little one, the Super Bowl. Um, come on, LA Rams. Is that? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. West Coast is the best coast. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to fit in. I actually, <laughs> I, I tried to memorize, um, you know, Teresa gave me a map of all the states around, you know, uh, um, America. I'm, I'm getting pretty good. It's like, it's a pop quiz. Anytime she sees me, it's like, okay, what's this one? And I'm like, God, yeah, yeah, California. <laughs> Tick. <laughs> so good. But anyways, I, I, better, I better get into uh, what we're going to speak about today. We're talking about authentic community and relationship goals. Uh, think about this. I, I love I love this topic about relationships and, and authentic communities. Uh, and uh, in, in particular, it's the whole idea that we are better together. You know, we are stronger together. And uh, you know, you know this, the sum of all of us, right, far outweighs us individually. You know, that God actually has a plan and he uses his church and a community. And maybe you might even be here for the first time, as I said before, and I gave you a welcome and whatnot. We genuinely believe uh, in community and that life was never meant to be done alone. It's actually meant to be done in community, in, in family. And so maybe you're looking for a community. Maybe you're looking for a family. Maybe you're looking, this is the year that maybe you wrote on like your New Year's resolutions that you were going to get the right people around you. I can 100% say that this is the right people around you in this church. They are so authentic and so genuine and you do belong, you belong here, a part of this family. And so straight after the service, we have our small group uh, kind of expo and we'd love to invite you to stay around, hang around and, and, and meet some of the team. Uh, and we'd love to invite you back next week uh, to, to come back to service and meet a whole bunch of the team and the crew and, and 
and whatnot. And the guy that's on next week is way better than me. His name's Jason. He's a lead pastor here. He is, he is so much better. So if it's your first time, it's only getting better from here. But I want to talk about authentic community. And in particular, i got a proposition. I think that we have this pre-bent kind of disposition, this uh, propensity uh, to have this leaning towards this idea that we showcase our best and we hide our worst, is that we showcase our best and we hide our worst. Now, here's the thing. The reason why I talk about this topic is because this is one of the dangers uh, that we can let it creep into our life that can stifle us from uh, building a genuine, authentic community, is when we live from this kind of predisposition, this kind of bent, uh, that we showcase our best and we hide our worst. Maybe you don't believe me that this is actually a tendency that we all have. Uh, have you ever, like, you know, taken a selfie before? You know, come on. Uh, you're taking a selfie. I know Josh does this all the time. Sorry, I, I, mean, I, didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to name drop just then. If you take a selfie, what do you do? do? Do you post the worst photo of you? Or do you look through the 527 photos that you just, po- like, you just like, captured and post the best one, right? We, 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 come on, we don't post the worst one. We might put a little filter on there, a little VSCO cam or whatever. I don't know if you guys have that, but back in Australia, it's a big deal, you know what I mean? And so you edit it out, you know, filter or whatnot. We always showcase our best and we hide our worst. Maybe you go for a job interview, right? If you're going for a job interview, what do you do? Do you, do you ever start with the worst qualities about yourself? You know what I mean? It's probably why we don't have a job right now. No, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. It is that we showcase our best and we hide our worst. You don't rock up to a job interview and go, okay, so I'm going to be late every day because I just, you know, I've never built that habit into my life to show up early. So I just want to let you know from the get-go uh, that I actually am not qualified for this job at all. You know what I mean? Uh, Ugh, that's awkward. Uh, we always showcase our best and we hide our worst. And maybe when you go on a like, first date, I don't know if you remember, you know, way back when or whatever, you went on a first date with somebody or whatever. Like, you know, you never rock up to that first date and start with the first line, like, I'm clingy, just so you know. <laughs> like, you never do that, all right? You always take him out to the best restaurant, come on, somebody, right? And you, uh, you buy the most expensive meal, you know, and then it goes downhill because you're like, I can never afford that. <laughs> it's my story. Um, but uh, anyways, just... <laughs> Been, been vulnerable. Um, uh, or this one, when you have friends over, right? I don't know if you grew up in a family like mine, but whenever we, you know, we're growing up, have, have friends over at a house, uh, you know, my mum and my dad are like, you know, the friends are coming over. And it'd be, like, it'd be like in 10 minutes, you know what I mean? Like always rocked up unannounced and the place is a mess. And they're like, you know, like quickly hide the, you know, spaghetti bowl, like, you know, in the cupboard, you know what I mean? That was, you know, as a kid, like, you know, spag bowl, you know what I mean? Like you guys no idea what this is or have an interpreter here later to explain. Um, you know, lasagna, you know, and we're like all the dishes, like quickly hide them, like quickly make your bed and whatnot, like quickly just let's present the house, you know, to showcase our best, you know, the Johns are coming over. And then, uh, and then like, you know, there's like this instrument of, of, of torture that as, you, as you're a kid, if, if, you, if your parents, um, you're like mine, this instrument of torture, it's kind of like shaped like a spoon and it's wooden. And, and if you didn't, if you, you know, if you weren't quick enough, like it's like this instrument, you know, comes out and it's like, quick, Dan, quick, clean it, you know. I only found out a couple of years ago, like that's actually a cooking utensil, you know what I mean? I always thought it was like legit, an instrument of torture. But here's the thing, I actually think that we don't just do this in our everyday life when it comes to community and whatnot, but I think we do this in our walk with Jesus, is that we try and showcase our best and hide our worst. 
maybe you don't believe me, maybe we have a rough week or whatever, we walk into service on, on, on church and, you know, the worship leader's up there like, you know, let's raise our hands. Like, don't tell me I'll raise my hands. I'll do what I want. You know what I mean? Or, oh, we, 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 you know, we, we feel like when, when we're bringing our worst, it's like, oh, I can't worship God today because I've got this stuff going on in my life. Or, or maybe, you know, on the opposite, when you're trying to showcase your best, you know, you're like, God, I helped somebody walk across the street this week. You know, like, Grant my prayer, you know, help me win the lotto, you know, or, you know, like, well, we try and have this kind of tally system, you're like, with God, where it's like, this is my best, this is what I've done, like, you know, like, like, we're trying to give it to God, like, this is all the things I've done this week, would you listen to me, you know, like, we, we try and showcase our best, and then we hide our worst. I think there's a story in particular in the, in the Bible that I want to kind of uh, look at, and it's the story of the rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus and he's asking him this question. I know it's going to be on the screen, but I want to read it here because I think that we can pull some things um, from a couple of passages of text in, uh, you know, in the Bible and uh, kind of pull some observations out of it, how we can build together an authentic community. And we've got to work out this thing where we try and showcase our best and hide our worst. In Matthew chapter 19, in verse 16, it says, Now behold... One man came and said to him, him being Jesus, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And so he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? And Jesus' reply is this. He says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 20, it says, the young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Surely I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. When his disciples heard it, they were, they were greatly astonished. and said, Well, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said this, With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Amen. Now, here's the thing. At first glance on that scripture, you would think that Jesus, at least if I was in his shoes, would have said something a little bit differently and that you could see that there might be a little bit from first glance, a little bit of a contradiction is that this rich young ruler would say, you know, like, oh, what must I do to be saved? And then Jesus gives a whole bunch of these different rules and kind of like commandments of things that are going on, that you should do this and that. And eh, But here's the thing, from first glance and observation, it would look like it's a contradiction. But here's the thing, I think what Jesus was trying to do in this passage of text was actually illuminate something uh, about this scenario, in that it wasn't necessarily about the rules or the commandments or those kind of things and, and kind of living up to this but it was trying to illuminate the passage at the very end that it's with man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And what I feel like Jesus was trying to get across is that the rich young ruler was so uh, uh, um, attached to his
his wealth and his riches and his status or his significance is that he couldn't lay down that which was attached to his heart. Now, here's the thing. Jesus isn't after just our good living. He's after our whole heart. And in this text, you'd see that Jesus starts with these Ten Commandments. He must do this. But he finishes with the fact that Jesus knew that what gripped this man's heart with his, with his wealth his significance, or his status, which was a wall between him and God. And sometimes we got to let the walls come down to be able to walk into relationship with Jesus. Now, not the walls that Jesus created, but they're the walls that we created and that we are so attached to the things and the stuff of this world and trying to showcase our best and hide our worst. I think Jesus was trying to get across this thing in the Scripture where it was actually that none of us, can live up to the standard that which is perfection of which is God's got for us. And that the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Now, here's the thing. Jesus isn't trying to say, well, you've got to do this, do that, and live according to this thing and do that. No, 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 no. He wants our whole heart. Now, He put things in place in the Bible so we have a, a blessed life. But what we must understand is that we all fall short of the perfection standard of God. And that Jesus was trying to get to this place and space and illuminate this thing with this rich young ruler is that, hey, I know you've, you've, you've lived a good life. You know, you, you've, you've done pretty well. But there is nothing that you can do that could ever make you worthy enough to be able to like on your own accord, reach up and climb the ladder to get to God. See, this is why Jesus came to earth and He broke through heaven, walked, you know, a, 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 a sinless, perfect life, gave His life as a sacrifice because He knew that we couldn't live up to the standard. So He came down to us and gave His life as a sacrifice for us. You see, here's the thing in this passage of text is that it would have been a whole lot different if this rich young ruler would have just said, you know what, I actually, I just can't do it. I, I, I can't live up to this. I'm, I'm not perfect. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to get across and illuminating in this passage of text. is that none of us have it all together, but we've got to let the walls come down from our heart and invite Jesus into our brokenness. Invite Jesus into the depths, the, the, the worst stuff that's going on. Let's stop trying to like put a facade up to showcase our best and hide our worst. But let's let it come down. Let the walls come down from around our heart and come on, let Jesus in. That with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I had a few kind of observations in this text and uh, I'd love to kind of look at. Uh, and, and the first one is in building an authentic community, a genuine community, the community that, that God intends for us to build as a church. Number one thing that we need to understand and know is that none of us have it all together. We just believe in the one who does, and his name is Jesus. None of us have it all together. I don't know what kind of experience you've had at church or, or maybe a, of Christians in the past or whatever, but here's the thing. Uh, none of us have it all together. We are a bunch of ordinary, everyday people who believe in an extraordinary God. And to build an authentic community, we need to know that we're going to let each other down at times. Is that, you know what, by us just being here in the room <laughs> make, makes us imperfect, that there's not some perfect church because we're here, you know what I mean? Is that we've all got faults and failures and things that are going on in our world. So, so let's get genuine with each other, is that none of us have it all together. We just believe in the one who does. That's the first mark, the first sign of a genuine 
authentic community is that we just believe in the one who does have it together. So what that means is that when somebody uh, maybe wrongs us, when, when, when somebody does something that upsets us, or maybe even someone fails in a certain area, come on, let's not gossip about them or throw shade over them. Let's remember uh, that we're just the same as them, right? That we all have our worst. We all have our things going on that we might be trying to keep quiet in a cupboard or whatever. And come on, we all got things going on in our life. We just need to remember and believe that Jesus is the one who has it all together. And it's Him that we worship. It's why we can gather. It's why we sing our songs. Is why we gather together. We open up the Word. Uh, the, the Word that is living. It's true. It's inspired by God. It's the one book as does we read it, it reads us. Yes, never forget, this is all about Jesus. Point number two, in building an authentic, genuine community, we need to remove the filter. We need to remove the filter. What's the purpose of a filter? A filter is there to uh, hide our blemishes, to hide our imperfections and the things going on in our life. We need to remove the filter. There, it is impossible to have intimacy through a filter. You see, the thing is with the rich young ruler is he missed the fact that Jesus was standing right in front of him, the Messiah, son of, son of the living God, Jesus is right in front of him. Yet because of the walls that he'd created in his life, he was walking blind. He had walls that he'd, he'd built up that he couldn't even recognize or realize. That the one that he went to Bible college and studied about, and, and even as a, as a young ruler, you know, had authority. You know, there's a whole lot of commentaries that, that suggested different things that, you know, he may have done or whatever. But, but here's the thing. This guy would have studied. Uh, you know, he would have known about the Messiah to come. But in that moment, he was standing right in front of him. And he was blind to the fact that this is Jesus Christ, the one who came to pay for his sin, his imperfections, to die on a cross. He was blinded. Here's the thing about this. How can we be like the rich young ruler in times? Is that we try and showcase our best and harder works, that we can live blind to the things that God's got in front of us, uh, that God wants us to do in our life. Here's the thing. We can still walk the walk and talk the talk, but still be blind. Is, you, you can still walk the walk and talk the talk, but we can be blind to Jesus right in front of us. We can come at a church, we can sing the songs, we can say amen at the right time or lift our hands or, or you know, respond in a certain way or give in the offering, whatever. We can still live a life like that and we can talk the talk and walk the walk, but live blind. And we need to make sure that we remove the filter. Now, practically speaking, when it comes to our small groups, removing the filter might look like, you know what, we, we need to step out and be vulnerable first. And so then that might encourage in our small groups and for people to be vulnerable and share what they're going through, knowing from the place and space <laughs> that none of us have it all together. And maybe you might be waiting for somebody else to be vulnerable before you be vulnerable. Can I encourage us as a genuine, authentic community? Maybe you need to share the things that are going on in your life that God's doing in your heart, even though we are not a work quite finished yet, but we're on our way is so that that might be a testimony to help somebody else who's going through the exact same thing. I love Gabby, as you got up here and shared today about the, the, you know, your faith journey. This is a sign of being vulnerable and, and together is better, right? Is that we would share the things that we're going through. And I honor you, Josh and Gabby, for being vulnerable, for being transparent, for encouraging us through your journey. You guys are phenomenal. And come on, we need to learn to be the same like our leaders are doing is that, hey, I haven't got it all together, 
but we believe in the one who does. Let's remove the filter. It's impossible for us to have intimacy uh, through a filter. So we need to uh, start by sharing the things that are going on in our world in a small group environment, knowing that none of us are perfect. None of us have got it all together. We just believe in the one who does. And number three of the points that I see from the story um, or the rich young ruler is this, is that our significance is not found in our status. Well, what was tied up so much in this rich young ruler is that he couldn't let go of what was gripping on his heart, which is his riches, his, his appearance was going on. How often are we like that? Is that we're gripped to status, the climb the ladder and the organization or, or whatsoever it might be. Our significance is not found in our status. It is found in the one who paid its, his price of his life for us that was paid on Calvary. Our significance is found in the price that Jesus gave for us, which was his whole life. Is that God gave his best so that we could have a relationship with him. And so that means whether you might be a worship leader, whether you might be greeting people in the car park, whether you might be setting up early at six o'clock, or whether you might be in a tech booth somewhere around the back, or whether you might, well, wherever you might be, our significance is not found in our status. Come on, it's found in Jesus. Is that we're all in this together to build a genuine, authentic community. What that means is that we need to make sure that none of us, right, uh, try and elevate ourselves above each other. No, no, no. We are all servants, a part of this thing called church to reach a city. One of our statements is that if we want to win a generation, we must serve a generation. That's one of the things from back home. And I love that. It's like our city, our responsibility. It's like such a a similarity in in, in the two hearts, right? is that we must all serve together, that because maybe we don't have a microphone doesn't mean that our status or significance is any less. Come on, Jesus has paid his, his life, the price for every one of us. And maybe, maybe just to finish, uh, as the musos come up, musos, is that what you guys, musos, musicians, the band? I'm sorry if I've just said words, you know what I mean? Like you have no idea, like you're just following along saying amen and clapping. You guys are the best. We'll have a class straight after this to interpret everything that I just said. <laughs> so good. It's awesome. Um, I'm just distracted in my mind. Um, I want to finish with this one last story. It's a story of something that happened 2,000 years ago and as a evolved a man who uh, was diagnosed with leprosy. And the thing, about, thing is about um, this story is when you study the context of the day, when you got diagnosed with leprosy, it was a horrible diagnosis. And what would have happened in the diagnosis and the process is that this man would have realized that there was something going on with his skin and that his nervous system would have, uh, you know, and his skin would start shutting down, that that he would start to lose his feeling and his touch. And and maybe he went to the doctor, first of all, to see his his symptoms, that what had happened. And then from that process, he'd have to go to the priest and the priest would deem him unclean. And at this exact moment, this man who was diagnosed and told that he was unclean at that, and the bark of the dog, <laughs> at that exact moment, the dog barks in the background, a bell would have been strapped around his neck and had been banished to the outskirts of society, the outskirts of community. And at that exact moment, it's like a death sentence that was put upon his life, is that if he had a family, he wouldn't be able to go kiss them goodnight or goodbye, If he had a business, that business was over just like that. 
And he was banished to the outskirts, sent away to go hang with other people with the same sort of disease, a leprosy. But it just so happened to be, and we don't know how it happened or how the whispers of hope started to trickle out in this certain situation and the story, but it just so happened to be uh, that hope started to rise. Uh, the murmurs started to happen, whether it be on the rubbish dump, as a whole bunch of these people of leprosy would have been congregating on the outskirts of community. A whisper started to happen. There's this man. His name is Jesus, that he might, he'd be able to, but just in a whisper, just might be able to heal this disease, this thing that's going on. And so this man who's got this bell wrapped around his neck says a sign, a signal uh, that whenever he came through an area where there was other people uh, that, you know, didn't have leprosy, he would have to yell out, unclean, unclean. And this bell would ring as a signal that there was a man with leprosy walking into their midst. Now in some you know, uh, commentaries, it says that the people would actually be allowed, if this person was in certain areas, be allowed to stone him and kill him because he was uh, not obeying the different laws and whatever in the time and the context of the day. But the Scripture illustrates and describes this, that this man with leprosy finds Jesus. He kneels down before Jesus going, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So down on his knees before Jesus Christ, as he looks up to him, says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. clean. And, and the response of Jesus is, is phenomenal. Every time I will look at this, it just grips my heart, is that Jesus could have just clicked his fingers and leprosy would go. Come on, this is God, right? He, he spoke the universe into existence. He can do whatever he wants. He could cast his shadow upon him and then bam, leprosy is gone. But the response of Jesus is phenomenal because he stretches out his hand touches him. It says, I am willing. Be clean. Because here's the thing about God. Here's the thing about Jesus is that Jesus doesn't just have love. He is love. He couldn't help himself, but act in such a way that shows and personifies the creator of the universe, the Father in whom we worship, the God Almighty, the God Emmanuel, the God with us is that He walked on this earth to know what it's like to go through the different trials and struggles that we've gone through, knows what it's like to live a life, right? And say, hey, I can relate to you, with the things that you're going through. The response of Jesus is He stretched and He reached out. And not only in a moment did He heal the exterior, but He healed the interior. The broken pieces of this man's heart, left, burdened, broken, bruised and shattered, ostracized from community. Isn't it incredible that it was the priest that deemed him unclean? Sometimes churches can hurt us. And sometimes we go through stuff and people and, and, and we feel like we are no good and we have to go out on the outskirts of, of community. Uh, the heart of heaven and of God is, come on, welcome home. Come back to the family. Come on, I am willing. Be cleansed. As the man with leprosy would yell out, unclean. Jesus would yell out, I am willing. And I think this is a sign of humanity as we say, I'm not good enough or here's my worst. And God says, come on, I am willing to, to speak into your heart, to, to deal with the things that are going on, the broken pieces of our life. 
And I've only got a couple minutes left and there's so much I could say, but I just felt in, in preparing this message for today about building a genuine, authentic community, I wanted to uh, pause on one thought and I'll go to one photo in a minute and then I'd love to pray for us. Is Jesus was countercultural, right? Is this whole responding and actually touching this, this man who had leprosy was so, was just out of the box. It was like not supposed to happen. It was, it was like, you know, if you saw it, I was like, Jesus, you can't do that. Are you serious? Like, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna touch someone who's got leprosy? Like, uh, like, like, seriously? Like, that's crazy. Like, that is countercultural. But here's the thing what I felt God whisper on my heart is that that in its essence, I feel is what God would describe Sozo Church, is that we are countercultural, is that we would reach into the places and the spaces of community around San Francisco uh, that haven't heard the message and the good news of Jesus. And there might be some churches, there might be some Christian folk that say, hey, you can't do that, Sozo Church. Hey, why, what? that's weird. Like, why would you do that? You can't love them or accept them or welcome those people. And I feel like God would just say to us, no, come on, we're not called to be an ordinary, everyday church. Come Come on, we're called to be an extraordinary, out of the box, come on, something new, innovative, entrepreneurial kind of church that reaches in and, 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 and shines the love of Jesus Christ in places where other people would say, I'm not going near. But Jesus says, no, that's exactly my heart, is that I'm, my heart for humanity is to do exactly that. But maybe you might be here today and you might feel like your life is nothing but a bunch of broken pieces. To finish, if we could learn to be like the, the man with leprosy, not the man or the rich young ruler who kind of showcased his best and hit his worst, but the man with leprosy that says, hey, here's my mess. Here's my gunk and my junk. Here's the things that are going on in my life. We present it before Jesus. He is just and he's able to turn come on, all things around, to put the broken pieces back together. And, and, and here's a photo to symbolize what I feel like is just what the gospel does to our life. Is, this is a form of Japanese and a pottery and I can never pronounce that word, but kintosukori, to repair with gold. The art of repairing potter with gold or silver, lacquer, and understanding that the piece is more beautiful for having been broken. My encouragement, come on, for us together as a church. Maybe you might feel like your life is nothing but a bunch of broken pieces, but if we can learn to be vulnerable, come on, if we can learn to put our faith and our trust in Jesus, is that this is the message of the gospel, is that He puts the broken pieces back together and we are more beautiful, come on, more valuable. He, he forms them back together and shows us as a testimony of His goodness and His faithfulness and His greatness. And that's the message of the gospel. But the thing is, we've got to present the broken pieces of our life to Jesus. Now, I'd love to finish by praying. Maybe you might be here today. You're saying, you know what? I feel like my life is nothing but a bunch of broken pieces. But I need to be vulnerable. I need to let the walls come down and invite Jesus into my life, into my heart. Maybe that's you today. I would love every head bowed, every eye closed right across this place. I'd love to pray and you know, maybe you'd be here and you're saying, yeah, that's me. You know, what, what I'm going to get you to do is, is I want you to respond in your heart and I say a prayer. And then afterwards, if, if you said that prayer to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, to invite Him into your life, at the end of the service, we'd love you just to fill out a connect card and just say that you've decided to follow Jesus today. But maybe you're here. You're saying, yeah, that's me. 
I've got a bunch of broken pieces. I've got some wounds. I've got some hurts. I've got some mess, some gunk and some junk. And I've never accepted Jesus into my life. If that's you today, inside your heart, would you just make a decision and say, Jesus, I choose to follow you. Jesus, I choose to accept you into my life. Jesus, today, I will live for you. Well, let's not be like the rich young ruler who when Jesus gave the call out, he turned away and didn't follow Jesus. Come on, let's be like the, the leper who with vulnerability, his heart just presented before God and say, hey, if you're willing, you can clean me. And the news that is so, so good is that he is willing. Let me pray for you, Jesus. I thank you for every single life, every heart, every person that's making that decision today to invite you into their life. God, I thank you that this is not just the end of something, it's the beginning of something new. God, we thank you, Lord, that today is a, is a, is a symbolic moment for the rest of our life. God, we thank you that today you are willing. You can mend the broken pieces of our life back together, turn them into a testimony to help other people. God, help us to be vulnerable. Help us to help other people. Help us to love like you love. Help us to be the church that builds an authentic community that as you look upon us, you smile and say, that's the church that, that, that I'm building together with them. So God, we honor you today. And I thank you that you would firmly impress upon people's hearts a decision that they've made and whatever they might be going through. God, we thank you that you love us and that you stretched out to us and help us likewise to stretch out to the people around us in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Come on, we all said... Can we put our hands together and appreciate anyone that made that decision maybe for the first time or maybe you're recommitting your life for Jesus. We are so proud of you. That's a phenomenal, phenomenal decision that you've made today. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.